This is the London FinTech Podcast, brought to you by your host, Mike Ballaman, bridging the worlds of suits and t-shirts, of finance and technology, bringing you insights, stories, and inspiration from the golden age of opportunity and innovation happening in London right now. Hi, this is Mike Ballaman, and this is the London FinTech Podcast, episode 234. Oh, that's consecutive. Brought to you in association with Smart and EnlistedBoard.com. And I'm delighted to be joined today by Gonzalo de Vasconcelos, founder and CEO of Renewal, that's R-N-W-L, as in Arabic spelling, as in miss out all the vowels, uh, and probably sounds like Renewal if you had vowels in it, to discuss managing your insurance portfolio. Gonzalo was last on the show in 2015, when at the time he was founder, which I guess he still is, and CEO, which he isn't, of Syndicate Room, the crowdfunding platform. After nine years of CEOing Syndicate Room, Gonzalo moved on, no doubt for reasons he shall explain, to founding Renewal in 2020. And I was very interested to see what he would come up with. I and we have had to wait four more years to find out, and it's the very interesting world of managing your insurance portfolio. Managing one's investment portfolio is a no-brainer in terms of must-dos, and there are plenty of platforms out there. However, insurance platforms are another thing. I don't believe I've heard of another one in the market. If you're like me at all, at some seemingly random points in the year, some random insurance company you vaguely recall the name of emails you with a complex email about renewing some random insurance that perhaps you bought in the past, say car or your house, you shove it to one side because it all seems too difficult to deal with now and you've got more important things to do, and then a few reminders come in and you keep thinking, yes, I must do this tomorrow, and then suddenly you realise there's a last minute panic because uh, you may have, after all, uh, inadvertently pressed the please rip me off button when filling in your insurance form, otherwise known as the auto renewal, and scramble to find a better price. All in all, it's a pile of boring, hassly admin and yet more emails which we could all do without. Anyway, Gonzalo tells me that, like myself, that's all completely old school by now and entirely outdated and that there are better ways of doing things. Given Gonzalo's pedigree, comma, the syndicate room, having come up with a great twist of getting angels in on the valuation, rather than leaving it to the entrepreneur, as the other platforms do, surprise, surprise, this is a better deal for the investor, comma, I thought we might all listen to him on the insurance portfolio aspects and make this LFP episode a rara avis in terms of the main course topic being the guest's day job, as, as far as I know, not many, if any, provide such a service at all. Plenty to talk about, so let's get on with the show. Good afternoon, Gonzalo. Thank you for joining me on the show today. Hello, Mike. It's an absolute pleasure and honor to be here at this podcast uh, again after such a long time away. Yes, in terms of you being there and me being here, actually, I think I would rather be there as you're in Portugal. I didn't know whether you're in your summer holidays or vacation or something like that, or, or whether you're just sort of a, a tax exile after the, the successes of Syndicate Room. You're in Portugal, where it's much more sunny. But actually, talking of sun and weather, which being British is one of my favourite topics and about the only one I know anything about, I was talking to you about the, the challenge of working out the microclimates in Portugal, given that before all this lockdown-y stuff, Bridget and I were talking about uh, moving to Portugal, as it's a much nicer country than this one. The health system works, and it's about the only country that Bridget and I can move to. 
but we actually like Portugal. I mean, we like the Portuguese. Um, it's a bit of a pity that your language is so much harder than Spain. I mean, you can sort of bluff out Spanish, but bluffing <laughs> Portuguese is nothing. But actually, in, in, in all seriousness, and I was discussing this with a, a don at Cambridge <laughs> not that long ago this year, the climate varies enormously across your sort of tall, thin country. And it's really quite difficult to find the right region if you're going for something sort of warm but temperate. I mean, my, my fag package is at the bottom in the Algarve where I took the kids many times on holiday when they were young. Uh, it's bloody hot and dry and arid, a bit like North Africa. But by the time you get up to the sort of the top left bit, a geographic term, in Porto it rains more than Manchester. Whereas you go up, up the Douro, where they make all the port to the other side at the top, the top right, you've got sort of Spanish deserts. So uh, would you like to give um, the listeners, the majority of whom are perhaps not Portuguese and are not entirely acquainted with the microclimates, how a, a Portuguese gentleman such as yourself would summarise the various climactic regions? And, and were you, when you've made even more millions or billions on, on this incarnation, to again retire to a sort of thousand-acre farm uh, somewhere in Portugal, uh, what the best, <laughs> better, best climactic areas are? Thank you, Mike. I actually gave it some thought overnight uh, about that, that question when we had a quick discussion about it. I think your ideal place is Sintra, where you are about 10 minutes away from the beach and you can get sunshine and vitamin D and so on. But it also has its even more microclimate there where it's very wet so that you don't miss England too much. <laughs> no, we've had enough of that. After sort of 60 years, that's done. we're done with England. Yeah, it, it, it's a good compromise because um, uh, in Sintra, I actually, I am now in, in a place uh, in Kashkaish or in Sturil, which is very close to Kashkaish, which is probably the best climate in Portugal because it's not the very arid south of Algarve, as you mentioned. And um, I definitely would not want to live somewhere that rains more than in Manchester such as Porto in the north, although it's a lovely city to, to visit. But I am now based in Sturil in, in Portugal uh, for parts of the summer, although home it really is Cambridge in the UK. So isn't Sintra that sort of UNESCO-y place that's always misty and oh, manky? Oh, it's a no lovely... Lo north of Lisbon. Very, very beautiful, but sort of misty and manky. It is. I, I told you that uh, that it would, you know, it would stop you missing uh, English weather uh, for too long. We want to. <laughs> But it's only, you know, without, whenever you want sunshine, 10 minutes later, you buy the beach in Ginshu and you, you can even go um, uh, kite surfing if that's your thing. Yes, indeed. And where is Kashkash then in terms of up, down, left and right? So Kashkash is just west of Lisbon. So it's actually just south of Sintra. It's about a 15 minute drive from Sintra. Oh, right. I'm looking at a map now. And yes, well, one of the th places we looked at was Evora, actually, as well as Coimbra, because they seem quite pretty. They both are. Ever gets very warm in the summer. Right. But they're both very lovely cities too. Excellent. Well, there's a very good um, choice. Well, you remind me that we should actually get on with a project. We were supposed to go and hire a car for two or three weeks and drive around and actually see it all. Good. OK, well, look, having started with important topics like the, the weather, we're now going on sort of uh, <laughs> more dull matters. So, as I recall, you used to do engineering and, and build bridges and, you know, dig tunnels with your hands and all that kind of stuff and, until you got too many blisters and then you decided to be sort of a, a paper pusher or something like that and you, you went into being an entrepreneur and founded syndicate room, made, made billions, and, and then, you know, you got bored of buying Learjets, and, and then, like most people who get bored of buying Learjets, you thought, well, I'll do that all over again, and you founded Renewal, or, or maybe I've mis slightly misunderstood or missummarised for the first time in my life. No, no, it was a pretty good summary, apart, maybe apart from the making billions. Um, so, yes, I, I, I did train as a civil engineer and worked as a civil engineer. That's actually what brought me to England initially, 
I, I did a master's at Imperial College. And then I started my, my first company before Syndicate Room, then moved to Cambridge to do an MBA. And it was after the MBA that I started Syndicate Room, uh, based in Cambridge, where I'm still based now. So I, 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 I spent some time here in Portugal and some time in Cambridge. And that's where I'm based now, and that's why Renewal is also based in Cambridge. I see. So, as I say, parenthetically, Syndicate Room, you had this... What I thought was basically brilliant, given that no one else really does it. Twist <laughs> Thank you. Of not saying, oh, yeah, Mike's ra- Mike, you're raising money. Do you want to come to our platform? Yeah. What do you think your shares are worth? And I say, oh, about a thousand quid. Go, oh, fair enough. <laughs> I, I may be simplifying, but you at Syndicate Room, I think, pretty uniquely, send some boys around to kick the tyres of my car and go, this guy's bankrupt and, you know, it, it ain't worth a penny and stuff like that. And, and we meet in the middle and, and, I, and I sort of raise money at half pence rather than the thousand pounds. So uh, I thought that was brilliant, but we've touched on that um, before and Syndicate Room is, is still going. So maybe you'll explain as a serial entrepreneur now what it is. I mean, do you have a love of, of creating things ex nihilo? Uh, and then once they've created, you're sort of a bit of a magpie and sort of, oh, there's a shiny thing over there or there's a, there's a, there's a white space in the map. I'll go and build something there and then I'll let others run my other city and I'll let others run this. And, and, and to that extent, if that's true, roughly speaking, then what was it that made you think I'll form Renewal and maybe with an Arabic co-founder because he doesn't like vowels <laughs> one morning? Yeah, so, 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 so I, I've always been uh, very entrepreneurial my life and it is the part that I enjoy the most right the one where you have <laughs> rather rather bizarrely the one you have no resources no one believing in your idea uh, you know no money uh, basically not very much but you, what you do have is a blank piece of paper and that's what I love about it is that you really need to understand what is the problem you're trying to address you, you really need to be in love with that problem. And then you need to come up with a solution that is a, a, a very strong value proposition for whoever your client is, but also something that you, know, you can be the best in the world at doing it, and you can make money out of it. Make money as a, as a business, not necessarily as an entrepreneur. You know, that will come once you build a, 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 a very strong business. And, uh, and that's really the part I, I love the most. Is, uh, it, is what, it, it is the reason why I end up living in Syndicate Room is because after, I believe I was CEO for about eight, year, eight or nine years, and, and I absolutely loved every moment of it. Except towards the end, became more and more operational, which is a good sign from a company perspective and growth. It's about thing if you're very entrepreneurial and and you like that sort of sense of innovation and really coming up with new things and new ideas and and expanding and so on and that's effectively why i i then end up eventually starting renewal yes the sort of multi-stage rocket term perspective which is you know you're a sort of typical first stage of a saturn five i mean this rocket ain't going nowhere it's on the ground it's a really heavy lift to get it going and it gets going but then the second stage takes over and then the, you know, the third stage and then you've got the landing on the moon and, uh, and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there seem to be quite a few people who've been on the podcast who are busy trying to prove me wrong and, and good luck to them if they do the whole, whole way. Well, that's fine. That's, that's their trip, man. But I think it's always useful to follow what the oracle at 
Delphi said in terms of know thyself? Yeah, I think it's a brilliant analogy. I definitely know entrepreneurs that have successfully transitioned from being the founder to being the CEO during that first stage and then the CEO during that operational stage. And I think most entrepreneurs, they are able to do it. They are skilled enough to, to do it. It just comes down to passion. If you're really passionate about building new things and your passion is not with the operational efficiencies and KPIs, OKRs, and, and that part of a business, then it's not necessarily you can't do it. It's just you're much more in love with another part of the business and you're much happier at starting again with no money, you know, no one believing in your idea and, and, uh, and no resources. But rather bizarrely, that's, that's, where, that's the happy place. And that certainly is my case. Ah, excellent. So here we are in, uh, oh, what it must have been 2019, 2020, and you thought, I like blank sheets of paper. They're really exciting. <laughs> I can paint what I want. So you pick yourself a new blank sheet of paper. You, you pull the drawer out of your printer and get one before anything's printed on it. So the thing about a blank sheet of paper is that it's got infinite flexibility, but also it's got infinite flexibility. So, you know, do you draw a house with four windows and a triangle for a roof? Do you draw a ship, etc., etc.? So tell us in the case of, of renewal, which will obviously lead into this whole thing about insurance portfolio management, what it was that made you write RNWL at the, at the top and what was your motivation? Did you just sort of sit there going, like Rodan's the thinker for sort of six <laughs> months, staring at your blank sheet of paper until you saw renewal in front of your eyes? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> it was actually, it was, um, I became an entrepreneur accidentally. I became an entrepreneur again, accidentally. I was actually uh, having some time off and traveling uh, with my wife and our son here in Portugal, actually, not far from where I'm standing right now by the beach. And, and what happened was I received the dreaded car insurance auto-renewal letter that we've all received saying, yeah, you're Gonzalo, you know what, blah, 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 don't worry about it, you don't have to do anything, this is your new price. And it was obviously, as we all know, that way higher than, than it should be. And, and you go, you know, we've all been through that. And you go, you need to call the insurer. You're going to have to say, oh, I'm going to leave. And then they offer you a lower price for you to stay. And you're going, you know, and, and I was, so I was going traveling with my wife and our little boy. And we started with a week here in Portugal. And, uh, and I received this after renewal letter. I had nothing else to do. Just walking along the beach. And I thought, surely someone, you know, this is a problem that most people have. Surely there's someone online doing something about this. And when I got home, did some research, and there wasn't. And that was when the idea for renewal was born. But what about if we help people managing their insurance policies? You know, you have one or two cars in your home and your travel insurance policy, and this issue comes up over and over again. By Wednesday, my wife actually came up with a name for the company. On Thursday, I sent an email to someone that knows me well who used to work for AXA. And I said, look, I have this idea. It's an insurance space. I don't really know much about that space. Can you help me? And I had this call on Friday with that, with that individual who is also a, a large private investor. And he said, oh, I'm in. I said, what do you mean you're in? Went, well, I'm investing. <laughs> in what? Can you tell me that I'll go and do it? <laughs> exactly. And, and so, so he, he was just investing in, in me, to be honest, which was 
great to see. And that, but that basically meant that on Saturday, the whole family was on a plane back to England. So I could start renewal and we ended up not really going traveling at all. So I still owe that, that uh, holiday to my wife. But please do not remind her uh, of that. Ah, excellent. Well, I, I'm glad that uh, I'm not doing the podcast at uh, your place and having dinner with you because I probably wouldn't get much dinner. As I <laughs> may have mentioned once or twice, the, the fact that renewal doesn't seem to have any vowels in it. So, OK, so you're, you're at this stage. So, look, so we've done many episodes, of course, uh, over the years on, on insurer tech per se um, and on the characteristics of the insurance market and the challenges of the insurance market and the difficulties. And there have been many insurer techs that founded saying, oh, well, all these kind of naughty tricks are played and everyone knows that's the game that they're playing but we're not going to play that we're going to be the honest man we're going to turn up and we're going to give you a fair price all the time and and then they find that everyone goes to go compare and the was 99th out of 100 because that's the way the game's played it's like playing a card game where everyone's exactly. sort of, let's just use the word loosely cheating slightly they're playing poker and they, they they switch one card and you go i'm not going to do that and then funny enough they find that actually it's quite a challenge to compete and it's the same thing with banks giving you teaser rates or mortgages giving teaser rates or, or all sorts of things that uh, uh, you know i bought coffee i bought some fresh beans online the other day they give me special price for these and then the, a slightly special price for the next one and you know etc etc so that's just sort of you know marketing and commerciality and giving special it's the prices. power of distribution yeah exactly so without going into the whole sort of issue of insurance market which has got multiple levels anyway you've got reinsurers you've got insurers you've got brokers and there's a whole value chains going around um, you've got the other problems of course which is massively complex terms and conditions a buddy of mine quite old in his 80s his house burnt down, which was uh, unfortunate. But he had got insured, and unfortunately, somehow, I don't have lost in this, actually. I think he did keep his house insurance policy in his house, but maybe he obviously remembered the company that he'd insured it with. So all the contents were covered, and then the insurance policy sends a form saying, ah, oh, books, under books, right, list all the books and where you bought them. The guy's 85. I mean, how can you bloody list every book? And, you know. uh, so anyway, uh, so there's all these things. So without going into the whole complexity of it, I presume that when you're talking to your buddy and you're going back to London to found this company, you must have focused on one or two specific aspects that you thought you could do better. What were those and to, to what extent did they mutate to where you are now several years later? Yeah, so, so the original vision, which is stands, still stands true, is, is that the, the insurance, it's very much the same way I started the other two companies. Right, uh, including syndicate room, is that it's always about what is the pain point for the consumer, what's not working for the consumer, right? And in this case, is that the insurance insurance is highly fragmented, right? Unless you're far better organised than I am, you'll understand how easy it is to lose track of what we have insured, who is it insured by, when it renews, how much we're paying, where the documents are, and so on and so forth. And every insurer tries to bring you to their platform, but they actually do offer you very little value there. And you end up with one policy in one platform, one policy in another platform, and, and, and you end up with three, four, five platforms that you actually never even log into, you never install the apps and so on. So that was the problem that, that we addressed was, okay, people need one place to help them with insurance, and that's exactly what Renewal offers them. But didn't the price comparison sites offer some kind of service in this area? No, they don't. So they save the details of your previous quote and they run it again a year later and say, hey, Mike, look, we've run it again. But, but they don't really help you managing your insurance at all. You know, they don't even know which insurance 
policy you bought. They know who you bought it from and their commission and so on, but they have no idea about the details of your policy, right? Zero. And so what we do is really offer you a place. So we, we have the technology that offers you a place where all of your policies are all the key information is all at your fingertips. You can see your car insurance, when they renew, what's included, what's not included. So you get personalized messages saying, hey, Mike, your car insurance is coming up for renewal. Here's how you can save money. And then, so we make managing insurance really easy. And then we make buying insurance really simple. So one of the big innovations that we came up with is this instant quote, where we use the data we already have about you to offer you, for example, breakdown cover specific to you and your car without you having to type in any information whatsoever. So suddenly, as a consumer, you have this ability that you have all your policies managed and displayed in one place for you, and it's really easy to buy. So why would you want to go anywhere else? It's all there for you. It's the simplest way you can, you can get it. And this is on mobile phone or internet as well? So that was the part that changed. So we started by thinking about going B2C. And the problem with that is, of course, it's very expensive to acquire customers, right? Particularly in the insurance space. Also, the natural home for your insurance information, your insurance wallet, is really within your banking app because you get your current account, savings, mortgage, whatever you may have, and your insurance wallet, because insurance is a financial product. So it just makes complete sense to have it there. So what renewal, what we have created is this digital insurance wallet that does all of these things that I described, and that it embeds into your banking app. So we license technology to banks. Okay, I was about to go off and get your, get your app. I did in-depth Research Gonzalo earlier, and I looked at the front page of your website. I didn't go to the second page, but I thought I'd be too in-depth. But uh, it does say get it on Google Play, for example. So there is the B2C app. It's available. And it was actually a really nice surprise. because Well, you didn't know you had one, and one day you, you looked at the first page. Yeah. And you thought, hey, my CTO is <laughs> doing something useful there? for yeah. a change. <laughs> that, no, that's a surprise. Yeah, no, not, not quite that type of surprise. But we launched a, the B2C app just as a showcase to show to banks and potential investors just for them to carry out their due diligence. And we now have over 20,000 users using it extensively with an average of uh, nearly 2.5 policies per user. And, and bear in mind, we're not a B2C company, so we don't really have B2C marketing, right? It's all on the back of the value proposition. And, and 20,000 users in just a few months off the back of the value proposition is an incredibly strong validation of what we are doing. Yeah, it's almost like you've stumbled across something which is actually a really good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> arrogantly, as the founder, yeah, I like to, to, to think so. But, but it also gives us insight into how users are using it, and they're giving us feedback on what other features they want to see. And that's really driving our roadmap. One of the ones that I quite liked, I think, but I can't see it again, that my second in-depth researcher looking at your webpage while you're talking is, um, I'm sure that something like, just forward us your stupid email from an insurance company or something like that. Yeah, 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 that's, that's another big innovation we did, which was, you don't really have to type in any information. It, it works like magic, right? You just forward all of your insurance emails to insurance at renewal.co, and everything gets organized and added to your renewal account automatically. And you get a really neat dashboard on your, on your app, on your renewal app, with every, all the key information at your fingertips. And that's the beauty of it. It makes it so simple for the, the user, for the consumer. Because insurance, let's face it, 
it's pretty boring. No one really wants to be dealing with it. But it's also quite a pain to deal with because it's not, apart from some more, more recent insurtechs, it's not really designed with the consumer in mind and the ease for the consumer. I see. So, okay, so you do have apps that sort of do the dashboards and, and these facilities, the B2C, but you're also providing it, uh, just as a business model, a, a, a B2B2C. Yeah, that's exactly I, what I'm I'm going to pick a random name, Barclays. You may or may not have Barclays as, as a partner, say, or Monzo, and they will somehow incorporate it sort of somewhere within the banking app as a sort of separate page. I mean, my, my challenge with that has always been, and everyone's always told me that I'm wrong, let me say everyone, I mean all the sort of founders of, of app banks, but they would say it, wouldn't they? That, I mean, my phone's relatively large, but I really think that so many square inches, there's a limit to how much stuff you can you can bung on there. And, you know, I had various, the, the, I think I've got three now, I've got Monzo, Revolut and, and Starling, just to see how they go and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. They're always adding features. Yeah. So, so w w one of the amazing things that these neobanks have done is that they've really upped the game in terms of the quality of the product when it comes to digital banking, right? And they, they forced all the, the incumbent banks to really improve their apps massively. So the, 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 the features are there, and I think they're quite okay to find. This one is just basically they add an insurance wallet button where you tap on it and it runs our technology and you can see all, all of your insurance details there. I see. So you're white labeling it. So it wouldn't be the question if I, if I kept pressing buttons on Revolut. If one, for example, I'm stuck at the airport for 48 hours due to trying to catch EasyJet again and I've got nothing to do after 24 and I think, ah, I'll spend the next 24 hours finding out all the million things I can do with Revolut but never realised and one of them is insurance but it doesn't actually say, this is Gonzalo's thing by the way, it just says this is your insurance stuff. Yeah, that's right, that's right and the beauty of it is that so you'll, you'll get, you have your current account, your savings account and your insurance wallet so it's actually quite easy and then you tap on it and it runs our technology in the background as white label so you you know, you're dealing with a bank. But now imagine that you, you know, you delayed for whatever reason uh, with your flight. And now you can tap, you go on your banking app, you can tap it. You can actually ask, what am I entitled to? My flight got cancelled, what am I entitled to? And renewal technology will tell you, based on your policy. Whereas chances are, right now, if you're not a renewal user, if your flight gets delayed, you might even struggle to remember who your travel insurer is. Indeed, and even if you know, they're probably no, no bloody good. I mean, one of the one of the clan was stuck coming back from a mountain climbing holiday in Geneva Airport. Uh, I think Geneva Airport's so un-Swiss. I've never actually had anybody explain to me how Geneva Airport is actually in Switzerland because it's sort of the antithesis to me. Uh, anyway, it was EasyJet, and then suddenly the, that flight was cancelled, and there was no EasyJet person to help or whatever. There were huge queues. There were no other flights that day, etc., etc. Everybody's, you know... If you're lucky, you, you print out your travel insurance. If you're unlucky, you haven't, and you left it at home, or it's you know. So it was an I mean, it's a practical situation. It's an absolute bloody uh, mm. nightmare. And EasyJet aren't always uh, the ones who are most uh, ready, especially as there's nobody there to help you to tell you what you're right. So eventually, they, they, these guys got some um, a hotel. They flew to Bordeaux the next day, but that plane was late. You know, it was a catastrophe. And then they got to Gatwick at 2 a.m. in the morning, and the, the Gatwick Express wasn't running. Or the, I mean, it's just like one disaster after another. So in those circumstances, something that actually says, 
are, but you're covered under your travel insurance policy. Exactly. And so, you can go and stay at the Ritz, and you can get a Rolls-Royce home, and you go, oh my God, that, that's, that's paid for itself already. So when you need insurance, so no one really likes to interact with insurance, right? I think that no one wants to interact with insurance every, every day, every week, or even every month, or every, uh, even every year. That's really what drives us. But when you do need insurance, it's typically in a quite a stressful situation. Right. You mentioned the flight got cancelled, the house burned down, maybe you had a car accident, maybe your car broke down by the side of the motorway. And to have all that key information at your fingertips, it's incredibly valuable for you at that point in time. Without, I mean, maybe you're going to say what everyone says. Oh, we use artificial intelligence and we've got very intelligent computers. Uh, I don't know whether you can answer this sentence not using artificial intelligence or whether you have to, which is that, okay, then so how do your clever computers do that? Because I look at my policy and it's 99 pages long, so your computer must be very clever to assimilate all that and tell me that I can stay at the Ritz and get a Rolls-Royce home or something. We just did a test today, actually, on, on a... Yeah, it was an 88-page long document. And you can ask, for example, am I covered for windscreen cracked? So would you send it off to ChatGPT or something? So we have a machine learning... See, I didn't use it. Artificial intelligence. Machine learning team... At Renewal, so we use our own technology, our incorporating other technologies, obviously, but, uh, but also with ours. It's a proprietary technology, and it's, it's very specifically designed for insurance. And that's why it, it performs so well with insurance, right? And, and that becomes very powerful, because then suddenly you go, my windscreen cracked, am I covered, and what is the excess? And it answers you. And it shows you where it got the information from. Yes, Bridget was driving my car there, and, and, and no fault of hers, it got chipped. The windscreen got chipped. A stone flew up and chipped the windscreen. Must have been quite a, a, a big stone. And we keep saying, "Oh, I wonder whether we're covered for that, or how does that work?" And yeah, exactly. You know, and uh, but then you've got to remember. Well, actually, did you? In, am I insured under your policy? Are you insured under mine? You know, etc., etc., etc. Okay, so look, so this is interesting, and we've sort of kicked it around largely because I think the sort of the, the concept is so interesting, and it's perhaps two podcasts in a row that amazingly enough after nine plus years of the, the podcast we're coming across something sort of fresh and new which is very rare in itself and um, uh, in this case uh, an obvious use case for pretty much everybody listening to the um, podcast which is perhaps uh, even rarer as everybody needs to ensure something. So just briefly then on the business model you mentioned your B2C and, and B2B so it's really nice of you guys to run a charity and, and give Mike a free app which will sort out every insurance problem he ever had. So do you get sort of cuts from the insurers or, or do you do a charity or do I pay a thousand pounds per annum for the privilege? I mean how does the business model work there because I assume when you're just white labeling it you're flogging somebody some software as it were in, in old-fashioned money and they pay you for the softwares yeah, that's right. So our main revenue model is a license fee paid for by the banks. So this is for consumers to use for free. That's such, it's such a powerful... So banks could be these incredibly powerful insurance distribution platforms. And by using this technology, they effectively increase the engagement and the customer retention. So they pay as a fee, and this is used by the end user, which is the customer of the bank, for free. I see. And so you put the app down, as you said before, just to R&D. You know, you, you give it to free to people like Mike and you have to keep updating yeah. the app and all that kind of stuff. But in the meantime, you, you're not so much interested in how I use it because uh, I'm, I'm no good. But, but plenty of other people use these things pretty well. And you think, oh, here's another function. And this is something else that you then add to the license that, to the partners. So then, OK, so then... Uh, look, there's, there's things like what are the opportunities, what are the challenges going forward, where do you see all, you know, renewal or, the, or indeed this area in the marketplace over the next 10 years? Because one of the 
one of the things you may have noticed about fintech life and entrepreneurialism in, in general, which is if somebody comes up with a good thing, then someone else comes along and copies it. Or do you have a big moat because your computer is very clever and you know what you're doing? It, well, yes and no. So, so yes, but if we were able to do it, you know, there are plenty of very clever people out there with, with uh, plenty of resources that will, would also be able to do it. I think copying, the, you can't really control someone copying your ideas. So it's one of the things I learned as a, as a seasoned entrepreneur is that you stop obsessing about that and you just make sure that you're the best in the world at doing it. And then everybody else that is copying you, A, it validates your idea, but B, if you're really good and you're the best in the world at doing it, they always one or several steps behind you. I was thinking, but you, you head off to Everest and, and a couple of years later other people head off to Everest. Well, you're already in Kathmandu buying your crampons. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Up, so they're still exactly. waiting for EasyJet. <laughs> so I think that the really big opportunity here is that the insurance industry doesn't really think in terms of adding value to the end consumer. They're constantly thinking about the insurance as a product and there are a lot of innovations of insurance as a product, but the end consumer doesn't really care about that, right? What you care as a consumer is if my house burns down or my flight gets cancelled, I'm covered. Ultimately, that's what you want, right? And it's easy and simple to use, which is exactly what we do. And that's really our opportunity is that people look at this. I mean, this, this is going to sound really arrogant, but, but I think that m the vast majority of the industry looks at this with the long lens, with the wrong lens. They look at it... They don't really, they're not really thinking about the pain point for the consumer and what the value proposition is. They, they're looking at what do they think that the consumer may want, but actually ignore what the consumer really wants, which is simplicity and making sure that they're covered. Yes, yes, yes. No, well, I, 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 I entirely admire that because in my fascinating and brilliant intro, the, the whole vibe that renewing your insurance for your car or your house, which you have to do, and if you don't do it, it's, oh shit, my house burned down, I meant to insure it yesterday, oh dear, that's a bit of a pity feeling. That it's a complete no-brainer um, that, as you say, from the consumer perspective, that actually something that makes the whole thing a, a lot easier, rather than pressing auto-renewal, which sort of says I'm price insensitive, you know, just tell me, oh, the insurance market's changed over the last year, sir, and, you know, more people have crashed their cars. Oh, really? Oh, how sad. It's gone at 22% or something. So I definitely buy that. And also, there's clearly a lot of potential of tuning LLMs, large language models, generative AI, you know, around all this kind of stuff and extremely impressive advances in both the models themselves, but also the ability to tune it on your, on your user data. And, you know, one potential error I can see going forwards, which is always one that uh, concerns people, which is that, um, let's say your next year's clever computer or the, the one after or, or something like that, or we've got OpenAI or you've got X.AI or whoever it is, running on the cloud and, and, your, and your clever bods are using that as well, which is one of the things which is the over-coverage, which is, for the sake of argument, my mobile phone may be covered by three different insurance policies or may be covered by none, you know. It may be on the travel insurance, it may be on the house insurance, I don't know, I'd have to pass through loads of details. But I can see that for these clever computers, they're getting cleverer, that actually there's plenty more functionality that you can provide from taking, as it were, the consumer's perspective rather than the industry perspective, which is we want to flog more car insurance or we want to flog more house insurance. Yeah, so, so again, it's one of those things that I think the industry gets wrong about the consumer, right? Is they, they obsessed about over or under insurance and consumers don't even understand what that is, right? They don't 
again, it's back to, they just want to be covered, right? So we've had users using Renewal that then end up finding out that they have two travel insurance policies going on in parallel because they went traveling, they bought one policy, six months later they forgot about it, they went traveling again, they bought another policy. That's the type of thing that people want to know. Well, I'm actually just wasting money by having two policies running in parallel, or my policy expired, it didn't auto-renew, I'm actually not covered at all for my car insurance, for example. Now, do you really care if, uh, if your travel insurance is, you know, covers for very specific things that your house insurance also covers? Because if you remove it from one or the other, you might save one or two or three pounds a year. Just the complexity of thinking about it, you know, people just don't really care that much about that level of detail. They do care whether they have two policies running in parallel or they don't have none. But then when it gets to the detail of the policy, they just, they just want to know that they're covered for their home contents, like the books, rather than it having to list every single book there. Okay, so look, so there's clearly an infinite potential for everything in, in, in the future. And uh, one of the ones, again, not to I've avoided as much as I can trying to dive in everything about insurance and insurer tech that we've discussed many times before. But one of the challenges, you mentioned the house policy insurance, is the quality of the cover in terms of, let's say they were given ratings, insurer A may get one out of five, an average insurer B may get 4.5 out of five, and uh, how well it works. So let's say you break your leg skiing, happened to a daughter of mine quite some time ago. You know, how does the insurance policy work about getting you home? You're supposed to walk being sarcastic, but actually some aeroplanes won't take you with a broken leg after skiing, you know, etc, etc, what support do you get? Or do you find that you were covered for your house being burnt down, but funnily enough you're 85 or 55 or 35, doesn't really matter, but you don't have every bloody receipt for where you bought everything everywhere, nor do you have an inventory for everything you own in your entire house. So this challenge, I've never really seen it properly addressed at all, of the quality of insurance coverage, it's a bit like life's a tightrope, you're walking on the tightrope, you fall off, how wide are the holes in the net? Yes, there's a net below me. I, ha yeah. I have a net. Yeah, exactly. But actually, exactly. Could, I, could I fall through them or one leg fall through it? You know, metaphorically speaking. Yeah, yeah. That's a, no, that's a good analogy. So, so it's funny you actually mentioned that. It's like <laughs> we didn't talk about this at all. But So one of the – another innovation we've done is that you can actually – when you forward the email with your policy documents to renewal – it adds all the key information, but includes a table with the key features. So, for example, and the same thing when you're buying, but for example, when you're buying car insurance, some people may want to go to France, so they want to make sure it has EU cover, right? And then there's a big tick there. Yeah, it has EU cover. Some policies will cover you for five days in the EU, some for up to 90 days. But the detail is buried somewhere on page 56. And that's exactly what renewal does, is actually goes there, extracts that information and puts it right in front of you. And if you see, well, I'm covered for EU, but that's only five days, you go, well, unless you're just jumping across just to go and buy some wine and come back, that's pretty useless, really, if you're going uh, on a road trip. But that's the level of detail. You know, that how big is the hole or what's the quality of the net is exactly what that policy features extraction tool we have does. Ah. Well, I have, I have to say, Gonzalo, and I do not wish to have any surprise in my voice at all. Uh, I have to say, this sounds rather good, actually. I, I would say I'll check it out myself, but I, actually I've got a more intelligent other half of the partnership who shall uh, 
probably check it out. I've, I've long since delegated these matters to, to Bridget because she's got much greater attention to detail these days than I have. I've worn mine out in the, in the past, actually, so she will read through all this stuff, which I, I, never, I never will do. But no, we really should check it out. And maybe it will be the, is it fourth or fifth fintech app in nine years that I put on my phone? Anyway, so before we wrap up the show, I'd like to thank all you listeners out there, especially those uh, in Portugal and Cambridge, and for those elsewhere too, my brand partners for the podcast. Smart is transforming pensions and retirement worldwide. Their leading-edge retirement tech platform propelled them to success in the UK. Now they're operating on four continents and working with partners like Zurich and JP Morgan. Find out more at www.smart.co. Then mrboard.com, your guide to entrepreneurial governance and how you can start making your board an engine of growth today. So, Gonzalo, as you know, in the dessert course, normally the conventional guest uh, hasn't really mentioned their company very much or their day job <laughs> in the main course topic, which probably would have been the case if uh, uh, I'd asked you something completely left field. But I think you may have mentioned renewal <laughs> once or twice in the <laughs> main course. Twice. So maybe to the extent that you haven't mentioned it very much, you might just want to explain what it does. But I think we all know what it does now and you can get it on the app stores. And if you're lucky, your banking app might have it sort of disguised behind it. But uh, in, in which case, uh, as obviously you're a, a an amazing, wonderful company today. What do you need tomorrow to be even bigger and better? Well, like any company that's growing fast, we need uh, like the superstars. So if, you, if any of the listeners is a superstar and wants to join a company that's growing very rapidly, do get in touch. That's basically our top ask from your listeners. And that's not in any dimension. That's like developers or marketers or salespeople's. Anyone that is a superstar, we're hiring across the board. And your offices are what? In just Kashkash and uh, Cambridge? No, we are actually, we are a fully remote company because we were founded about two months before the pandemic hit. So we did have an office for about six or seven weeks before we had to go home. And then we never looked back. It was great for hiring people all over the UK and Europe. And that's basically how we're running the company. And it works very well. Ah, I see. So, so fr- Friday evening drinks, you sort of sit there with your sort of can of Stella Artois and you all open it together. And the Christmas party must be fun as well. Or do you get together once in a while? No, no. Yeah, we get together once in a while in person, usually in Cambridge. And it's actually very, very good fun. And we have a few days of uh, big interaction. And then, um, and then we go separate ways again and work remotely. Excellent. Well, look, thank you for that, uh, Gonzalo. Um, it's really quite... Uh, Fascinating. I'm, I'm always sort of sceptical when people approach me after so many years saying that this is something that isn't really being done. Which, But I've now had two podcasts in a row, say after nine years, using open banking credit data last time for credit rate risk assessment, which amazingly enough isn't done well in this context. And also one that never occurred to me, which is the insurance portfolio management. I mean, there's, a, there's an obvious parallel with investment management, but in investment management, you might sell your US equities and buy Portuguese equities or something like that. But nobody sells their house insurance and buys two car insurances. However, there is an, an operation administrative uh, headache uh, for us all, um, which it sounds like um, you guys uh, have gone a long way to make easier. So uh, I will check it out and, and maybe some of the listeners might wish to uh, as well. And of course, most of my listeners are superstars, <laughs> even if I'm not. Uh, so no doubt to be inundated with thousands of uh, uh, applications to be rework uh, remotely from all interesting places around the world and further your cause. So I wish you and Renewal every success in the future. Mike, thank you so much for having me Again, it was an absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you are in need of a non-executive or advisory director with deep expertise, experience and contacts in the worlds of both traditional FS and fintech or unique insight into how to make your board an engine of growth today, contact me at mike at mikeballiman.com. If you just need one-off advice in these areas via 
clarity.fm slash Mike Balliman. We could sit in a bender all day Watching the firelight dance Watching the firelight dance We could walk in the mountains before dawn Watching a happy moon ride Watching a happy moon ride Come away from the city With the tarmac so dead And the people so sad Come away from the city With the faces so grey With the pain of the Mountains and the trees. Can you see what I mean? Can you see what I mean? We fade in between the earth and the sky. Kiss the city goodbye. Wave the city goodbye. Wave the city goodbye. Watch the firelight dance with me. 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 Watch the firelight.